Welcome to the bonus episode on Samson. Well, Zach, uh, last Sunday you uh, preached on Samson. How was that for you? It was. Uh, it was fun. Um, the dude's kind of a mess. But... He's the 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 whole last half of the book of Judges, everybody's a mess, and right. Samson's no exception. Right. No, he's uh, he's pretty screwed up, but yeah. as as is everybody in that book, it seems like, yeah. so I think yeah. you're right. So we had several things that we thought we might uh, be able to talk about, uh, uh, just stuff that didn't fit in right. uh, into the sermon. Uh, we really didn't get into much detail on the Nazarite vow, and that's that's a little... Uh, different. Right. Um, I think the most notable thing that we kind of looked at with that uh, is that it, it's not really a for-life commitment for everyone. Um, Samson's instance was very special, um, that he was never to do those things, whereas other people that take the Nazarite vow, it's for a committed time frame. It's for a year or two years or however long and it's and it's kind of different it's uh it's laid out in numbers uh chapter six that if you want to take a nazarite vow and that's kind of the way the chapter starts and you're left kind of one wondering what in the world is a nazarite vow right (laughs) um it has nothing to do with the city of nazareth nothing whatsoever but in number six uh if you want to take a nazarite vow then you abstain from anything having to do with grapes. And it's not just wine. It includes wine, but you can't eat grapes or any product that comes from grapes. Mm. You can't cut your hair, and uh, you cannot touch dead people. And number six, in fact, goes into detail there. It says, not even if it's a member of your own family. Mm. And then... Uh, in the middle of the chapter, there's kind of this section where it says, now, if you happen to be somewhere and you can't avoid it, you know, somebody dies and they fall on you or whatever, then you shave your head and you start over. Uh, You still uh, abstain from anything having to do with grapes. You go back to not touching anybody who's dead, and you start over letting your hair grow. So, do they mark the Nazarite vow with shaving their head? They actually do. And they so, do. your hair growth is a symbol of how long you've remained committed. Apparently, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's cool. And when it's over, uh, you don't just cut your hair. You, you go actually to the tent of meeting, to the tabernacle, or once it's established, to the temple. You have your care hair cut, and then you burn the hair. That's awesome. As an offering to the That's Lord. The, you ever smell burning hair? Like you know how like it's always a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Yeah. I'm having a really hard time imagining <laughs> that that one is a pleasing aroma. Hey, the whole thing <laughs> in the temple with all the dead animals and the blood on the ground and everything. I'm not sure how much pleasing aroma there That's was. That's fair. But uh, so Samson, 
was a Nazarite. And, and apparently, normally it was temporary, and you would do it just as a special vow to the Lord. Right. So, but, but there are two cases, uh, Samuel, and uh, reading, preparing for this, it appears that Samuel, the prophet Samuel, was also a Nazarite because his mom, in the very first chapter, says, um, Hannah, his mother, made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look on my sorrow, answer my prayer. Give me a son, I'll give him back to you. He'll be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Mm. And that was only true with the Nazarites. And so we can assume that the rest of the stuff applied to him as well. Probably he did the rest as well. And right. and you look at it, and uh, he he he's not a mortician. I mean, he doesn't right. <laughs> right, right, right. he doesn't go around dragging dead people after him. And uh, you never hear of him drinking wine. Okay, very interesting. Cool. Now there are two other cases here. Uh, the prophet Amos is a prophet from the southern kingdom, goes to the northern kingdom to prophesy. And in chapter 2, verse 11, God says to Amos, I chose some of your sons to be prophets and others to be Nazarites. Can you deny this, my people of Israel? Ask the Lord. But you cause the Nazarites to sin by making them drink wine. You command the prophets, shut up. <laughs> so here's Amos talking about the reality of people taking the Nazarite vow. The other example actually comes from the New Testament in the book of Acts. Paul, apparently on his third missionary journey, took a Nazarite vow. Because chapter 21, verse 24, when he gets back to Jerusalem, the leaders at Jerusalem said, we have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple, join them in the purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. And then everybody knows that you're a good Jew. And <laughs> Is John the Baptist a Nazarite? Did he take the vow? Because he eats locusts and honey. He, he never drinks. He doesn't drink. He, he avoids wine. And at least and, in the movies, he always has this well, long. But it does say that he's doesn't it say he's a hairy man? Yeah, it does. That, it does. I I don't know. It's worth speculation. It, it is. It's not and, spelled uh, out. Very easily could have been. So uh, that's the Nazarite vow. Okay. Um, apparently, people did it from time to time, and it was normally temporary. But you got these two cases: Samson and Samuel, and maybe John the Baptist. Maybe where it's a lifetime thing. Uh, the parents say, you're going to be a Nazarite, and never cuts his hair. Man. I would have failed at that one. Dude. That's I didn't like, listen to anything my mom that's and dad like said. anathema to a barber, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were talking about uh, Hebrews 11 as well. Uh, yeah. That was something I mentioned uh, at the very end of the sermon on uh, Sunday, talking about how Jephthah and Samson and Gideon are all counted as faithful in the uh, in the book of Hebrews eleven, or sorry, in the chapter of Hebrews eleven, 
And uh, I know that's just really strange because those guys aren't aren't really stand up guys. They're not right? all good role models. <laughs> and so I I just think it's worth mentioning like the other people that are named uh, as faithful in Hebrews eleven. Uh, Barak, he's from the the story of uh, Deborah. Um, he's the other one from Judges. But then outside of that, we've got Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, David, Rahab. Samuel. Yeah. Rahab is singled out. The prostitute from Jericho. Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, Samuel, and then the prophets. And it gives story to each one of them on, on how they were faithful. But the one thing that ties them all together is the very first verse of Hebrews 11 which says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see and that's really interesting to me because like their whole lives don't sum that up but I, I kind of feel like they're being counted as faithful I feel like all these people are being kind of like counted as these are God's faithful people even though they're just, some of them are garbage. <laughs> like, you, you do see elements of faith in their life. Right, right. Because, I mean, if we apply that, if it's if faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance yeah. in what we do not yeah. see, I mean, Samson definitely goes out on that note. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Sam, Samson prays to God and says, look, just be with me one more time. He can't see God. He can't, he can't see that there's probably any hope out of this situation, but he believes that God will give it to him. Um, hey, he knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to die, yeah. but but he believes that God might give him strength just one more time. Interesting. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I guess the the concept of being faithful seems like it's more than more than your actions, more than your where your headspace is. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's it's pretty pretty wild. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, Hebrews 11, the, the, the quote-unquote faith chapter, uh, not all of these guys are good role models, but they do show some kind of faith. Right, right. Yeah. We can do the same. Exactly. So the, uh, the third thing that we did want to talk about is uh, exactly a point that you made, and that is the use of the phrase, uh, in those days Israel had no king, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Right. So that, that is repeated at least four times in the last five chapters. And certainly that is uh, Samson's life verse. <laughs> yeah, I think I only mentioned three, too. Yeah, yeah. Chapter 17, verse 6, in the middle of this story about a man um, stealing money from his mom, returning the money, heck of a lot of money, too, 1,100 pieces of silver, and in the same chapter later, he offers, he offers a Levite ten pieces of silver per year to come and be his priest. And he says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that must have been a lot of money. So 1,100 pieces of silver is 110 years' wages for this Which guy. is what each of the Philistine leaders promised oh, Delilah. Wow. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's a lot of money. That's a heck of a it lot. Makes a lot more sense why she jumped right on it, right? Oh, yeah. Because she's, she's ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, in the middle of that story, 
uh, you get this phrase. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Then, chapter 18, verse 1, Israel had no king. Chapter 19, verse 1, now in those days, Israel had no king. And the very end of the book of Judges, uh, 21, 15, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Right. So why was that so important in Samuel's story? In Samson's, Samson's story? Um, it, it's a summary of his life. It's not just a summary of his life. It's a summary of at least the last few judges' lives. Yeah. Um, and it, it's really, I mean, it's a picture of our life, too, if, yeah. if we're living in sin. Uh but, I mean, it's, it's really what got Samson in the trouble he got into. Yeah, and you know, it, it's not even necessarily living in sin because, you know, there's living in sin where you're a, you're a, a mob boss or a drug dealer. Right. But then there is, you know, trying to live the Christian life, but you're going to do it your way. Right. And it, it doesn't work. But, I mean, if, <laughs> if you pay attention, I mean, that's kind of what what uh, Samson's doing as well. I mean, it's he's living the Jewish life. In fact, he's yeah. a leader of the Jews. Um, but, you know, he, I'm just going to do my thing on this. You know, like, and I mean, it starts right from the beginning where he's chasing a Philistine girl. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, as we look through his life, it seems to be, this is a, a deep character flaw of his. If, if you look at our culture, you know, it just permeates our culture. You got sure. and, Everything from Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way, I mean, that, that comes straight out of the book of Judges. Sure, sure. <laughs> or the current Live Your Truth, What Is Your Truth? Yeah, your What Is life? Your Truth? Be the best you you can be. Right, right. It's uh, all about us. Nobody else can be you, so you be the best you. And it's all about us. It's, it's people doing what's right in their own eyes. And Scripture says, huh, that's not the way we want to live. Well, the funny thing, you, I mean, it seems kind of on the nose, but if everyone does what's right in their own eyes, no one is going, like, what is right? If, if, if what's right is what you decide it is, that's going to be different from what the next guy says it is. Yeah. I think it's pointing to the fact that there has to be one foundational truth. There has to be one, there is a foundational right and we're not doing it when we do what's right in our own eyes. And I think you hit it right on the head uh, when you said Israel did have a king. Right. It says they had no king, but they did. Right. They just refused to recognize him as their king. Right. And same deal. I mean, that <laughs> right. we're, we are uh, uh, the next chapter of Old Testament Avengers, aren't we? I guess so. <laughs> I hope it goes a little better for us than it did for a lot of them. Well, you know, a lot of it depends on do we recognize who is king and, right. and let him actually reign. Yeah. We're actually going to continue talking about that this coming Sunday. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Come on back. Uh, even though uh, <laughs> we're, we're moving from the depressing stories of Israel's judges to the depressing story of Jesus' trial. <laughs> but it doesn't end that way. It does not end. At the end of uh, this story, unlike the book of Judges where every man goes to his own tent, every man goes to his own family, 
you get the resurrection. And wow, right. that, that the world changes because of the resurrection. And we get to witness what it looks like for somebody to do only what is right in the eyes of the true king. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. See you Sunday. I encourage you to like, follow, and subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to this presentation. If you have questions for them, for us, send them to us at questions at becomehope.com. See us Sunday when we'll talk about Jesus' trial. Thank you.